0: Howdy, what is going on? Welcome to the Pete Callender Show. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Pete, and you can hear all of the latest episodes uh, on your favorite podcasting platform. I, I get this question pretty regularly, actually, which is which podcasting platform should I be listening to the show on? And my response is all of them frequently. Uh, No, you could just actually pick whichever one you choose. Uh, It doesn't matter to me. All I ask is that you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you prefer. And if you don't know what uh, platform you would prefer, you can go to the website. I've got all of the links to all of the different platforms there. So you can pick the one that's right for you. And the website is name. Uh And you can also get links to everything else. We've got our marketplace. You can read about our advertisers. You can become a supporter of the program uh, through the Patreon page, uh, which is linked up there, like Chris has done, and uh, Dr. Dan, and Nick, and Patty. And Stephen and Trudy and Matthew, I appreciate everybody's support. Uh, the show is made possible by you. Uh, it's also made possible by advertisers like Mattress Man, and uh, they recently, when all of this COVID uh, stuff started breaking out, they went through and redid their entire website because they recognized that uh, you know, as everybody is being told to stay at home, uh, that means. You know, people aren't going to be able to walk the showrooms, lay on the beds and all of that. And uh, so Chuck and the folks at Mattress Man, they said, you know what, let's redo our entire website and uh, streamline it, update it. And by doing so, we'll make the experience way better for the customer uh, that comes to the site. Because, look, if you're sheltering in place for uh, like I think now we're supposed to be out of this sometime in like 2027, I think, right? Uh, So uh, if you're going to be in your house for all of this time, you need a good bed, right? And we all know that getting a good night's sleep is going to help you combat stress and anxiety for optimal health. So go to mattressmanstores.com and check out all of the inventory they've got it in stock they have a 120 day comfort guarantee so that ensures that you're going to love the mattress right and if you don't they'll exchange it for free for a limited time the 120 day comfort guarantee how can you go wrong with that uh also if you are local to the asheville area you can get the free local white glove delivery Uh, they do uh ship all over america so if you are listening somewhere else and you still are looking for a bed, I still recommend mattressmanstores.com as the place to go. And on top of all of this, uh, they are offering a 20% savings if you type in the discount code. Only heard here, rest well is the code. Rest well. R-E-S T W E L L. Rest well. And get an additional 20% savings site-wide at mattressmanstores.com. Experience the difference at mattress man, buy local. And sleep better, one of the things that's going on uh not just in North Carolina but all over the place and states all over uh, these protests, these reopen protests and as I'm doing this show, uh there's one occurring actually right now in Raleigh. I am not attending. I do not believe that the juice is worth the squeeze on this one for me at this point uh, it's just not i'm not uh, I'm not gonna go uh drive to Raleigh and um uh, you know use up the gas and, <laughs> and sit in a car uh, to demand that the governor do something that I think he's actually getting ready to do. And by the way, part of the, um, uh, I, I think part of the hesitancy that a lot of people that are trying to protect the precious uh, governor in this situation, part of the deal here, I think, is that they don't want to be seen as caving into conservatives. I, I know how it, it sounds silly, but I'm beginning to suspect that this is the case. I think what's going on here is uh, that the governor and his Democratic handlers, the, the political handlers, you know, they don't want him to be seen as capitulating to a Republican inspired movement. Uh, they I, I think that he would have proceeded down this path to reopen the state. I think he waits for others to tell him what to do. I do. I, like, I really believe that. I think, I think he, uh, well, I know he did it when it came to the closing of the schools. He said, I want to see a school district, preferably a big one, make this decision first. And then, boom, I think Wake County was the first, or maybe it was Guilford or Forsyth, I forget, uh, maybe Mecklenburg, one of the bigger districts in the state. Immediately after hearing him say that, they went and closed their schools. And as soon as they did that, he then issued the order and closed everybody. Right. Um, On the reopen and see stuff, he said at the press conference on what was it, Friday, I guess, uh, that, you know, his his plan tracks very closely with what the president's plan is. And look, his plan, quote unquote, and I'm using air quotes on that one heavily because it's not really a plan, uh, at least what he presented to the state. uh, This isn't his idea either. He's he's drawn this from other Democratic governors around the nation. And again, I'm not knocking that. I'm not insulting that process or anything. Uh, I'm just saying I think that what is occurring right now and why there's this sort of stiff arm reaction to the reopen and see effort is that uh, they don't want to be seen as following Republican leadership on this. They want him to own the decision if it's the right decision. The problem is they don't know if it's the right decision yet. <laughs> so they're trying to slow walk the decision because they're not sure how it's going to work out yet. And if they knew, they would totally run forward and do it. But they don't know, so they're waiting, and they uh, they don't want to be blamed if they start to reopen the state and you see a bunch more cases, okay? Um, Brent Woodcox is a... Uh, lawyer in the General Assembly, <clears throat> and he works for the Senate Republicans, I believe, and uh, he sent out a tweet earlier today. Uh, he said that reopen NC is what you get when you won't tell the public how many people have recovered from the virus in the state, how much testing you need, or what trends you are tracking to make decisions about lifting restrictions. People will not submissively follow orders without information. He is exactly right. He is exactly right. This has been one of the biggest issues that uh, the Department of Health and Human Services in North Carolina, but also state departments of health. Uh, one of the biggest criticisms that they've been getting so far is that they're not being uh, forthright with their data, with the information. Right? How many people have the virus? How many people recovered? How many tests do you need? I actually played that soundbite the other day um, from his from Governor Cooper's press conference. Well, yesterday, I guess it was. You know how are you making these decisions when you say you need more testing and you can't reopen the state until you have more testing and more tests and more PPE, uh, the personal protective equipment like these are the benchmarks that you need to hit. Okay, well, what are those benchmarks and you just say more? Okay, well, that's not serious now. You're not being serious. Either that or you you don't know. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you're not sure. Or maybe you're just saying these things that you need because you want us to believe that these things are the key to opening the state up, but you know that they're not. So, in other words, you're lying about it. I don't know. I don't know. I do know that as you know, one who interviews people and has... I've been a reporter for about a decade before I was a host for a decade. I've, my time is evenly split, you know, between the two professions. And uh, I will tell you that I wanted the data. I still want the data. And as a reporter, if I'm sitting in a press conference, well, I'm not sitting, well, if I'm on the phone listening to the governor make his comments and I get the chance to ask a question that without a follow-up, I would just keep asking the data question. How many tests do we need? How many tests? What are we shooting for? What's the goal? We can revise the goal. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna beat you up if you're like, oh, I need a million tests, and it turns out you need eight hundred thousand, or you need one point seven. Like, I don't. I don't care about that. I just need to know that you've got a goal in mind that you're aiming at. How do you know you've achieved the goal if you don't know what it is? I want to bring together uh, some pieces here uh, from over the past three weeks, and um, I've been slowly and steadily building this stack of stuff here um looking at how and why to reopen okay how and why and the again this goes back three weeks so there are going to be some pieces here that you can tell miss the mark but there are others that are pretty spot on <laughs> and and uh Started laying out these, and this these things, because I've read these, I read them three weeks ago, and this these pieces, these articles and opinion pieces and data pieces, like these, um, the, this reporting has informed my opinion over the course of the last three to four weeks, all right? Um, I think I've been pretty consistent so far. I, I, I disagree with people that call this thing a hoax. Uh, it's not. I have read... People uh, who are, you know, in the medical field and they've uh, reported on what this thing does to the body and it's awful and life-changing, life-altering if you survive it. Um, I also looked at a lot of the research and stuff that's coming out about who who gets it, who's worst affected by it. Little things like having fresh air might actually improve your, your ability to beat back the virus in the early days fresh air, even just an open window. Isn't that amazing? Just having an open window. They're, they're seeing some sorts of uh, connection, which would explain, by the way, one of the other pieces of information uh, about the homeless population, that those that have been tested, they see a lot of, uh, a high percentage of the homeless pop- uh, population has it or has had it in the past but didn't have any symptoms. Is there some connection there with being outside? Connection there to vitamin D levels from sunlight? Um there's also the connection of smoking. You would think smokers would just be dropping dead from all of this, but they're not. They actually have one of the lowest rates. Why? Because apparently the nicotine is some sort of a suppressor in the uh, in the lungs. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm just telling you this stuff that I've read. They're like, they're surprised to learn that smokers and former smokers are not being affected by this. It's almost like it 's almost like there 's been some sort of uh, benefit to the smoking i 'm telling you people like my whole life has built up to this very moment, right I mean, I was a smoker right uh, i 'm gen X and so i 'm perfectly content just sit uh, just staying at home sitting in the uh, in the house and uh, you know entertaining myself with all sorts of uh you know i can I can read I can watch movies, I can uh, play video games, I can do all of these things, and it doesn 't bother me whatsoever. Uh, like, like, really, you need me to stay home to save America? I'm your guy. I can do that. No problem. <laughs> so, And I used to smoke. So if I have to go out to the grocery store, uh, my chances of beating this thing are pretty good. Now, the downside is that obese people tend to fare not so well with this. And I uh, could stand to lose a few pounds. I'm not getting my steps in um, nowadays for some reason, just not getting the steps. So uh, I want to uh, bring a couple different pieces here. Uh, together. Um, sort of like Tim does at Old Grouch's Military Surplus. He brings a ton of different pieces together, and in doing so, he can give people all sorts of a, a variety of vintage and modern items at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It's an old school traditional store. Um, he's all online right now, though, because of the COVID. Okay. See my friend Tim. Uh, or I should say text my friend Tim because he's taking your text messages. I'm going to give you the, the number to text. He gets new stuff in all the time. It's American-made because it's real military surplus. Um, and he can also offer you uh, advice about emergency preparedness items and what you need to do. Um, he can uh, take an order. He can uh, answer questions you may have about a particular item that you saw at oldgrouch.com. Here's the text-only number, 565 565- 2497 oldgrouch dot com is the website and uh tell them you heard it here on the Pete Callender show. I appreciate it. So uh the reaction of the reopen NC protests which is going on today in Raleigh, um I would submit it it is it is a response to the way the government has behaved and much of this has been seen in an in as inconsistent. Some of these rules have been draconian and Certain businesses or uh, industries, uh, organizations have seemed to have taken the brunt of these rules. And for people who have a particular affinity for an organization that takes the brunt of the executive orders, uh, they don't see the consistent application of standards. They start asking questions and they view it through, as everybody does nowadays, everything is viewed through this political prism. And that's basically Trump now. And my God, can we please stop looking at everything through this partisan Trumpian prism? It is not required of us, okay? You can do other things besides view everything as good for Trump or bad for Trump. I don't care, okay? Frankly, I don't care if this is good for Trump, bad for Trump. I don't care if it's good for Cooper or bad for Cooper. I don't. I real. I, I really don't. I just want... The best decisions to be made with the best data available, and I want to be informed about what these uh, data points are and what we are learning. Everyone is impatient. I understand that as well. We all want the quick fix on this. It's not going to get fixed. And this is one of the things that I'm noticing people are coming around to realizing with this Reopen NC uh, debate now, um, or Reopen America. But this debate is sort of bringing to the surface. There are a lot of people that thought, that if we just stayed home for three or four weeks, that the virus would be gone. And that's not the case. Folks, we need to be prepared here for the coronavirus to be with us forever. I'm not kidding. Forever. Right? The flu is with us every single year. Like I go and I get my flu shot. You know, tens of thousands of people die every year from the flu. That's probably going to be what COVID-19 is. From now on, unless they come up with the vaccine for it. But I suspect that the thing is going to mutate, but we'll see. Um, but you, but folks need to be prepared mentally for that, uh, for that likelihood, right? There's also, um, and, so, and, and that's just, that, that's just my gut and what I'm reading other people. And, and that, that's just my, my guess at this point. However, flattening the curve was never a cure. And there are a lot of people, I think, that were led to believe, or dare I use Governor Cooper's word, lured, they were lured into believing that uh, if we just sheltered in place and quarantined and self-isolated and socially distanced ourselves, that we, would, uh, that we would lick this thing and we would be you know back up and running in a couple of uh, weeks or months. And that's not the case. It's not. The flattening the curve... Right? All you're doing is prolonging the infection period. And that's the point. It's always been the point. I've been saying this from the beginning. That's the point. Flattening the curve is not eliminating the curve. The curve is still there. It's just a different shape. Right? Instead of going way high really early and overwhelming the medical system, the healthcare system, uh, which that leads to more deaths than otherwise you would have. The idea is to space it out over a longer or spread it out over a longer period of time. Same number of people get infected, but the system doesn't get overwhelmed all at once. And by avoiding that all at once overwhelming, then uh, other people don't die. And people who otherwise would have been saved... Uh, won't die. Like, uh, if you have a system and you've only got a thousand beds, ICU beds, and all of a sudden you've got five thousand patients needing them, well, guess what? Four thousand of them aren't going to get the beds, right? And chances are then that they're going to die. But if you can quote flatten the curve, spread it out, now you can get that five thousand people spread out over four months, and now it's you have enough beds because as people, you know, get cured. Uh, or, I'd say get cured, but they, uh, they beat it or they die, the bed becomes available, and someone else then goes into the bed, right? That's the whole point. But a lot of people apparently thought that if we just stay home, we'll all be okay. And I think these are the folks that right now are having a very hard time thinking of this issue in anything other than a, you want everybody to die if you say reopen the state kind of a way. And that's not it's not an honest or accurate way to, to approach this issue, because that's not what people are saying. Now, there are, don't get me wrong, there are people that are out there protesting the reopen NC folks. There are some of them that believe all of this is a hoax. They believe all of it is a lie. They believe Democrats made all of this up. First, it was Russia collusion. Uh, then it was Ukraine and, um, you know, the impeachment of Trump. And, you know, now it's uh, and now it's. COVID-19 uh it's all an effort to destroy the economy so we don't re-elect Donald Trump that's what people there are people that believe that I don't see I mean now if you can bring me some people that uh that say hey let's shut all of this stuff down globally because we want to get Trump out okay like I'm I'm interested to hear it uh and no save your Infowars, Alex Jones stuff I'm not interested in reading him because he's a liar and a grifter um but people are recognizing the inconsistent application of these standards. And here's an example. I went into the ABC store a week ago. Okay, I go in every day. Okay, but I went into the ABC store a week ago, and uh, it was kind of comical. Like some of these things that uh, that they're implementing. Okay, so they've got – so first off, I walk in, and you've got you know, – everybody is in masks. And I'm thinking, gosh – what a difference a month makes! Because if I had walked into this ABC store with my mask on, like I would have probably been, you know, shot or arrested, right? So, but now I walk in and I have my mask on, and uh, you know, it, you know, people are, you know, you're six feet away from each other, and there's some little old lady buying about seventeen uh, uh, bottles of gin, talking about some fantastic irish gin i did not catch the name i would i would pass it along to you if i did but uh so then i get called up and i walk up in this woman behind the plexiglass and um as she's ringing me up like uh, first uh, uh she hands me or i give i give her the bottle and i gotta pass it through and as i hand the bottle through so she can scan it uh her hand touches my hand ah, i got the covid no, like that's but so okay, so there's a there's a, a a flaw. And then as she she scans it and then she's as she's going to put it in the bag, she's got a couple of brown paper bags that are still flat, you know, like she pulled them out from under the desk and she goes to pull them apart. And as she pulls them apart, she coughs and she uses the bag to cover her mouth. But I don't know which bag she used because then she put my bottle into one of the bags. I'm like, I definitely have gotten it now. It, like, I, I, what do you do? <laughs> but people see this kind of thing, right? And then, then they're being told, "Oh, but you can't, you can't drive through Raleigh honking your horns. You you can't, uh, uh, you can't go to church and sit in the parking lot and listen to the preacher. Uh, you can't go inside the building, even though if it was a retail outfit, you could." 200 of you could walk into a retail outlet based on the occupancy, but if it's a church, no more than 10. These rules don't make sense when compared to other rules. And people are noticing this. And that's what Brent Woodcox was talking about in that tweet uh, at the beginning of the program that I read. By the way, Congressman Dan Bishop said he's going to uh, attend this uh, protest uh, in Raleigh, and uh, I've actually got him confirmed to come onto the program, so we'll talk with Dan Bishop tomorrow um and i'm going to try to get that uh into tomorrow's show a lot of this debate i use the term loosely over opening or wanting people to die right it is it it is reminiscent of the debate over hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin azithromycin i forget uh and zinc i guess i don't know if azithromycin is a zinc product or not but um Trump says, hey, yeah, I've heard some good stuff about this hydroxychloroquine, you know, and then everybody's like, oh, my gosh, he's not a medical doctor. He shouldn't be saying that. He's telling people to go out and take this. And then, of course, some people, I think it was like in Nigeria, they ran out and guzzled a whole bunch of this hydroxychloroquine and overdosed on it. And they're like, "Ah, those deaths are directly on Trump's hands, you know, and then some guy in Arizona, he and his Lefty wife, they guzzle a whole bunch of uh, fish tank cleaner because it's got this hydroxychloroquine in it. And they down that stuff and he dies from it and uh, she recovers. But uh, they blame Trump for that, too. Like, this is just it, it's insanity. And and we should, by the way, keep in mind that in times like these, people will go insane. OK, like we need to be aware of that. This is not a drill. Literally, people cannot mentally cope with uh, the circumstances, the fear Uh, People who are already in a mentally fragile state will break. That will happen, okay? Um, And I think you you see some of this manifested in the way that they argue these issues. There literally is insanity and irrationality that is embedded in a lot of these arguments. So um, we should ignore the people that are obviously irrational. North Carolina Treasurer Dale Falwell, he's calling for the state to reopen. And he actually says he was saved by the hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin, an experimental treatment researchers hope will help patients since the FDA has not approved any treatments. Falwell said he started feeling better within twenty four to forty eight hours, and Democrats were hardest hit about that. That's- Sorry, that's <laughs> but it's true. I mean you had you had NC policy watch left wing moonbats calling for the governor to replace Falwell because he couldn't fulfill his duties as state treasurer because he was in the hospital with COVID. <laughs> really? You swooped on in? They, they're not serious. The NC Policy Watch people are not serious and should not be taken seriously. The National Institutes of Health said it had begun a clinical trial of this uh, drug and um, the drugs used to treat malaria and blah, blah, blah. This was Fox News. They did an interview with Dale Falwell, Um because Falwell attributes his recovery to uh, to these drugs, and the way that the left reacted to these drugs is very much the same way that they are reacting to basically everything in the Trump era. But it's the same way that they're reacting to this reopen NC stuff. They're like, we disagree with what your. Suggesting, and so therefore you want people to die. You want them to overdose on hydroxychloroquine, or you want them to all get infected out at this rally. Once again, sheltering in place or staying at home, the quarantining, right, the isolation, is not a cure. It is not meant to prevent infections. It's simply designed to spread them out over a longer period of time. Chances are most of us probably going to get this thing if we haven't already. There's some new studies that are showing that like large portions of the population have already gotten it. So we shall see more testing is needed. How much testing is needed? I don't know. Maybe our governor will let us know at some point. He just says more. When you ask him how much, he only says more, more, more. All right, so bringing pieces together from over the past three weeks and looking at uh, how and why to reopen, right? So first off, three weeks ago, there's a piece by Ben Dominich at thefederalist.com headline. A one-size-fits-all coronavirus strategy will create a Great Depression. And he says uncertainty crushes hope. So the question on the minds of our leaders should be, how do we give citizens more confidence that we can and will turn the economy back on? While this shutdown has already done enormous damage, it is the uncertainty about how it will reopen that could prove far more destructive in the long run. That's, he called this three weeks ago. He's not the only one, right? This uncertainty is what is creating a lot of the, uh, the movement that you're seeing right now, this reaction. It's a response, He says, in so many cases, our leaders in both parties across the country will assure us afterwards that everything they did was absolutely necessary, that the cost of so many jobs and livelihoods was absolutely essential in order to save so many lives. How much you believe that is up to you. But for now, the real tax on everyone's nerves is uncertainty. Americans are uncertain about the danger of this disease for their family and loved ones. They're uncertain whether the hospital will be able to take care of them. Even if they don't have the coronavirus, they're uncertain about whether they'll have a livelihood to go back to once the government lets them out of their homes and whether their kids will ever go back to school. They're even uncertain whether they should wear a mask. You should. What Americans need is the same thing our health care sector needs, which is clarity clarity scott gottlieb along with uh, others from the american enterprise institute issued a report the key aspects of that aei report is the suggestion that counties or states need to pay attention to the virus or not to the virus as a national entity but to the situation of the virus on the ground in their local communities as they move through phases of reopening and that's easier said than done in this climate Any politician or businessman who wants to step up and say, we got to get back to work or risk far more long-term damage, they're putting their head in the media's guillotine. But this is exactly the moment when we should expect more from our local officials than being led around by national cable news. Indefinite shutdowns protect politicians at Americans' expense. He says, as lockdowns continue to spread, frustration with government's only going to grow, particularly in rural and suburban counties across the country. In suburbs and small towns around America, they fear their main street will die because of trends and decisions being made very far away. America's upper class is going to be fine. Their jobs can in large part be done remotely, and most will still be there in months to come. But for many in the middle and working classes across the country, there is no guarantee that their places of employment are still going to be there. The absolute arrogance that I have seen from these uh, leftist elites that are uh, in North Carolina specifically that are, uh, that are admonishing the reopen NC crowd, you know, everybody just needs to stay at home. Okay. Well, everybody stays at home except for what to go to the grocery store. How are you getting the food? How's that happening? There are people that actually have to go out and work So you can stay at home and you get to stay at home and work. And by the way, I can stay at home and work as well. But I also recognize that anytime I ask for something to be delivered to me, somebody else has to do that. I'm putting them at risk. And how is that any better? Right. You you occupy no moral high ground by demanding somebody deliver something to your door so you don't go out. (laughs) Right. But they want to pretend that they do occupy that moral high ground. What makes this such an unprecedented moment, Ben Dominance writes, is that we are doing this to ourselves. The virus is not turning off the economy. We are turning it off. To get ahead of the virus. But a modern capitalist economy cannot afford to turn itself off for 60 days or more at the whims of politicians, more afraid of getting criticized by the national media than actually responding to the situation on the ground. American citizens have shown themselves absolutely willing to accept a 14 day home quarantine after exposure and case isolation. Businesses and schools and universities have closed. And depending on your community, people are practicing social distancing to different degrees. But the idea that they're going to keep this up indefinitely is ludicrous and will ultimately lead to tests of authoritarian limits on their way of life. I would submit that we are at that stage right now. There's only so much sheltering in place you can do. Now, I I am not saying that we go back to the way things were before. I believe, me personally, that's done. We will never get back to that. Now, maybe I'm a little pessimistic on this front. I don't think we have a, we're ever going back there. I think uh, this is going to propel technology and, and digital uh, platforms into an entirely new uh, integration into our lives for good and bad for good and bad. But what does that mean? If you own a business, you need a website, right? You probably have been struggling, scrambling to uh, set it up or fix it, improve it. Uh, maybe you know, it wasn't a priority before. Well, it darn sure is now, right? It can be overwhelming for any of us. I know it was for me, and I didn't even uh, have the pressure of you know staying in business with COVID-19 breathing down my neck, which is how I got the COVID-19 in the first place. No, I'm kidding. But here's what you do. Uh, call my friend Schaefer Smith at Schaefer Smith Design, and he will help you with logos, graphics, photos. If you want to do an online store, a lot of people selling masks nowadays, you want to do that. Search engine optimization, website maintenance and security for professional services, for corporate, small businesses, entrepreneurs, all of them. Schaefer Smith design, make your site look professional. It'll be user-friendly for both your customers and you, so you can adapt quickly as well. He's going to empower you to be able to manage the things you need to manage on a regular basis on your own site. Okay. But he also does maintenance for you and security as well. SchaeferSmith.com is the website, SchaeferSmith.com. There was a piece by Jonathan Geach in uh to do do, do medium there's been reading a lot of medium.com a lot of people you know what that site is basically it's like a wordpress kind of platform you can go there and write stuff um and it sort of lives in perpetuity on their site uh so you can blog there you can post stuff there it's it's basically like a blogging platform medium.com and this dr jonathan geach plus five other doctors let me get their names here Um. Ankur Patel, Jason Friday, Lacey Windham, Ashkan Adaran, and Jennifer Endigelic, um, all, all doctors, um, and they wrote a piece. This was April 11th, titled, Eight Reasons to End the Lockdowns Now. This was April 11th, okay, this is 10 days ago. We have gone from predictions of millions of deaths to hundreds of thousands, and now we're predicting about 60,000 deaths. This is with the likely... Overreporting of deaths as well. Dr. Burks admitted the attribution of death uh, to COVID 19 has been liberal. Her word, not theirs. If the death count were limited to deaths directly caused by COVID 19, it would likely be even lower than this. The most effective time, and which I'm not going to get into this right now, but um, this idea that, well, he didn't die from COVID-19, just from complications that COVID-19 brought on with a pre-existing condition, Like I still count that as a COVID-19 death. I do. If you've got cancer and uh, you get COVID-19 and you die, it, did you die from the cancer? Well, no, you wouldn't have died right then and there, but for the COVID-19. So I would count that as a COVID-19 death. But that's just me. The most effective time for social distancing is early in a pandemic. Lockdowns also slow the development of herd immunity, which helps a society move past the virus. Right. This is this is the balancing act. And I've said this from the very beginning. These are all really difficult choices and nobody really knows what's going on. Nobody really knows. We're all kind of guessing. Everybody. Some people have more expertise, and so their guesses are going to be better than yours or mine, right? But everybody is still kind of guessing at what's happening because nobody knows. We were caught flat-footed. Thank you, China. Uh, we were caught flat-footed by this, and we've been tr- playing catch-up basically ever since, and we are not a patient people. So the most effective time for social distancing is early in the pandemic. And the longer you uh, drag out the distancing, flattening the curve, so to speak, the longer you do that, um, the slower it is that the herd develops immunity, that people get infected, uh, they uh, they then beat it, and now they don't get infected anymore. They now actually act as a barrier. Once you have it and beat it, you're now essentially a barrier um, against Uh, the infection spreading because it hits you and it stops. We can still practice good uh, hand hygiene, they say. We can wear masks in public and continue social distancing for the elderly and the high risk while we develop protective herd immunity for those most at risk. By the time the lockdowns began, COVID-19 had already been seeded in the U.S. for months, limiting the effectiveness of the lockdowns in the first place as the virus was already widespread. They say... Economic collapse and unemployment are destroying families. Each day the shutdown continues, we lose about a million jobs, and many of those lost jobs will never return. They say we uh, have not overburdened the healthcare care system. Um, I know this. I was talking with a friend of mine who, uh, over the weekend, she's a nurse down in the Charlotte area. She says they're, uh, they're having to essentially, I don't want to say furlough, but like they're, they're redoing schedules and stuff, giving people more time off. They're like, oh, we don't need you now because there's just not enough demand, right? So if you were expecting and staffing for this this rush of of patients and you don't get it now, you're just you're cutting people, right? You're sending them home early. Although the ER and ICU capacity has increased in many locations, overall healthcare system capacity has decreased dramatically as all non-COVID and non-emergent care is being neglected. This has led to layoffs of healthcare workers and delays in care for countless patients, which will result in a range of negative consequences. Many important services are also being delayed. Blood donations, organ donations, screening colonoscopies, many other elective procedures. They're called elective, right? But if it detects cancer, was it elective? Right? It's very important to note that elective medical care is not useless medical care okay people tend to think oh it's just a nose job or something not all elective procedures are purely you know cosmetic like that suicide may also kill as many people as covid-19 this year the mortality has been of covid-19 has uh, been overestimated the numbers uh, uh miss those who are asymptomatic or recovered at home without ever seeking the testing it's part of the problem with the numbers and this is what a lot of uh, COVID truthers or deniers, or I don't, I don't want to be derogatory here, uh, but like uh, people who are like, oh, this is all a lie, you know, designed to get Trump. Part of the problem is we don't know the data because we don't know how many people got infected by this thing and never even knew it. They expressed no symptoms, right? Didn't know they were sick and just beat it and went about their daily lives. Uh, and so when you find out what is that total number you know, you could be looking at data that looks you know, wildly different than the data we have now, but all we can do is use the data we have now and try to collect more data. And again, we are not a patient people. So what we really need to know is the infection mortality rate. Fortunately, we have some clues looking at the data from the Diamond Princess cruise ship. The infection fatality rate on that cruise ship was about 1%. However, the average age of people on the cruise ship is much higher than the age of the average American. When you adjust for the differences in age between the cruise ship and America, you see that uh, it's somewhere around, could be around 0.1%. There was a recent study out of Germany uh, in a city of Gangelt, Gangelt, I don't know where they tested 80 percent of the population and they found the IFR, which is the infection mortality rate, was about 0.37. Okay, so we're we're in the data collection mode because we don't have anything to compare it to. We're practicing battlefield medicine. I keep saying this because it seems like there are a lot of people who don't recognize that and they they get people are getting angry because we don't know, and you should know and you're telling us to do something but you don't know well you don't know either, like you don't know either you're just taking a guess too <laughs> right again your guess is not better or worse than anybody else's, and I can usually assume it's not going to be as good as somebody who actually has spent their life you know devoted to studying. The outbreaks of pandemics and such. Um, We have closed every school in America, even though children are are at almost no risk from this disease. Um, Yes, the curve uh, has flattened as it has flattened. It seems more hospitals have found adequate PPE as well. The CDC estimates a possible second wave would be at least 150 days from the end of the lockdown, maybe this fall. And ending the lockdowns would have no effect on the PPE for the current crisis. We would have plenty of time to prepare for a possible second wave. Authorities should show clear evidence regarding the benefits of indefinite lockdown. The previous models were wrong. The consequences of indefinite lockdown are quite staggering, they write. Again, that was at Medium.com, title, Eight Reasons to End the Lockdowns Now, and that was from about 10 days ago. Um, this is by Jeffrey Tucker. He is the editorial director for the American Institute for Economic Research. This piece was, uh, late March. Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York. Oh, sorry. Let me, let me skip that part. The response has not been modern. Um, It has not been scientific. It has been medieval and mystical. The theory behind the policy has been nothing but a panicked cry of run and hide before the noxious gas gets you. Lacking reliable data, which is the fault of the CDC and the FDA, we replace knowledge with power. As Ed Yong has written in a beautifully detailed article for The Atlantic... The testing fiasco was the original sin of America's pandemic failure, the single flaw that undermined every other countermeasure. Even the widespread acceptance of social distancing as a new normal, even that, however much it helps to curb the spread, it presumes this absence of knowledge. Stay away from everybody as much as possible, right? That's the slogan that reveals how little we actually do know about this. And yet lacking that knowledge the politicians cheered on by the media acted in ways that have fundamentally wrecked life as we knew it all in the course of a couple of weeks. It then became the perfect storm, risk-averse politicians deciding to do something, anything to avoid blame. Bureaucrats doing what they do best, which is telling people, no, you cannot innovate, you cannot produce, you cannot distribute. Yet local tyrants stopping price gouging and therefore preventing the price system from working. A howling media famished for eyeballs, ears, and clicks. A public panicked about disease and death. At the moment, we are enacting extremely severe measures in an effort to do something. However, we have very little evidence-based data on how to guide our next steps, and we really don't know where we are, where we're heading, whether our measures are effective, or if we need to modify them there's a possibility that many of the aggressive measures could be doing way more harm than good, especially if they're going to be maintained long-term. There will be major consequences in terms of lives lost, major disruptions to the economy, to our society, and to our civilization. The key is getting information on representative samples of the population. That's the key. This is why, this is why I've been saying this for weeks now. You know, S- State Senator Phil Berger, said hey let's do a thousand tests we need to get a thousand sample tests out there let's start collecting data and the media treated it like oh look at him trying to trying to bigfoot the governor you're not the governor you don't know what you're talking about oh we don't want to we don't want to devote these kinds of resources where are you gonna get the money oh my god what a stupid idea oh are you an epidemiologist just just shoot down shoot down shoot down fast forward three weeks first off He's got Wake Forest Baptist, along with Atrium and schools all over the country, right? They're all doing this uh, kind of testing. And lo and behold, what happens? Governor Cooper and the DHHS partnering with UNC and Duke and East Carolina. What are they doing? Testing. We're going to need a lot of testing. Lots of it. And it's ramping up, but it's going to take time. And we are not a patient people, right? It's going to take time to ramp up the testing, the production of the PPE, Right. So and there are things that GovCo can do to incentivize this, because one are like this very practical thing. But like uh, if you are looking to create uh, uh, protective equipment, you want to you want to mass produce this stuff for all of the frontline workers and stuff. Um, how do you know that they're going to need as much like you? Let's say you convert an entire plant. You're out of business for whatever you were doing. You're like, I'm going to convert my whole plant. I'm going to crank out all of these goggles and, and masks and scrubs and everything else. I'm going to make all of this stuff. Okay, well, is that a long-term plan for the company? Because what happens if uh, all of this does get beaten? Or what happens if everybody now has enough and now you're, the margins on that are terrible? And so now all of a sudden, like, you're out of business again, right? So would you choose to do that? to make all of the initial investment and get that ramped up. So maybe there's a role there for govco to say, tell you what, you want to do these critical uh industries that we need right now, uh we'll, you know, we'll float you loans to do it, uh 0% loans or grants or whatever. Um there are two contrary strains uh that are colliding. On the one hand, you have scientists that keep reducing their death rate predictions further and further, lopping off zeros day by day. And on the other hand, is accompanied. Uh, this is accompanied rather by appalling levels of despotism, even to the point of national guard checkpoints at state borders and restrictions on what you can buy, even at essential stores. Right? Do you th- do you think people will put up for very long seeing seeds in the Home Depot? You know, with a big yellow uh, police tape across it. You know, caution tape saying you can't buy these seeds. That's not essential. It's ludicrous. I doubt seriously that the political class in this country, as low a regard as I have for it, I doubt seriously that they set out to destroy all that we call civilized life, instantly generating millions of unemployed workers and bankrupt businesses all around, not to mention a pandemic of utter hopelessness on the part of vast swaths of the world's population. Still, this is what they have managed to achieve. This is what their pretense of knowledge, as opposed to actual wisdom, has unleashed on the world, with incalculable human cost. Gene Epstein has dubbed this the Great Suppression. What truly should inspire us all right now... Are the grocers, the pharmacists, the truck drivers, the manufacturers, the doctors and nurses, the construction workers, restaurant workers, service station attendants, webmasters, volunteers of all sorts, philanthropists and specialists in a huge variety of essential professions who keep life functioning more or less. And let us not forget the unessential people, quote unquote, unessential, if it's even a correct and vicious term that it is, uh, who have innovated ways around the Great Suppression to continue to serve others, to keep the rent being paid, and food on their tables. They are the means of salvation out of this mess. The market, hobbled and bludgeoned, still loves you. I still love Rowena Patton and her All Star uh, All Star Powerhouse team. Uh, love them over there. They do great work. They always have, and they have a uh, their heart is in the right place when it comes to their business. Uh, they are the official Homes for Heroes agents in Asheville. That is a national program. They pick one real estate agency per market. They've been with Rowena ever since I've known her. Now almost a decade, uh, and she's always uh, at the top, if not the top. Homes for Heroes agent in America. It's this program that gives buyers and sellers twenty-five percent back from realtor commissions. Uh, that goes to police officers, firefighters, educators, members of the military, so veteran, active duty, and retired, but also healthcare professionals. All right. So if you are thinking about buying a home, uh, and you're like, oh, I don't, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this because I don't want people walking through my home, or I don't want to go walking through people's homes, you know, buying or selling. She does walking tour videos, and she's been doing it uh, since 2007, okay? She got drones, so they get all the video of the house and everything. It can be done safely, right? So uh, I understand everybody's sort of in a a holding pattern right now, but this too shall end, and when it does, you want to call Rowena Patton, 333-4483, 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com, and start packing. Next up. This was from March 27th. Daniel Gerstein and James Giordano, How to Reopen America. This was posted at, believe it or not, CNN.com. What is needed are real-time point-of-care diagnostics that give patients and clinicians results while they wait. These methods would need to be inexpensive, readily available, and easy to use. Uh, This is called a PCR testing, rapid PCR testing will one day be offered, but is not currently available in the way that we need, which would be like in the doctor's office while the patient waits. Testing would also need to be expanded to identify who has already been infected. This would require serological diagnostics that identify the presence of the antibodies uh, to COVID-19. Serological is the blood work. We also need to categorize individuals into different groups and consider distinct approaches to care and engagement for each group. I've made reference to this repeatedly, which is uh, these hot spots that erupt, they skew data for an entire area or state. Um, Nursing homes is is the big one. There will be an outbreak in a nursing home, and when this outbreak occurs, the numbers skyrocket for a county. Does that mean that everybody in the county needs to be on lockdown? Or maybe just that nursing home where everybody who's sick has it? Right. Like, that's where they all are. Just lock that down. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, there has to be a smarter approach to this. Um, but because it's so contagious uh, and, you know, media, if, it, if you're not scared, media is not doing its job. Um, media has done such a very good job of scaring everybody about it that. Uh, it's it's prompted this response to shut everything down. And then everybody's looking at the numbers. And here's a classic example happened today. Uh, t- uh, Thehill.com did a story about how uh, the number of cases in Kentucky spikes just as protests to reopen the state as if the two are connected. Right. The, the, and you read I did. I read the whole article. And what you find out is that the, the number of cases in Kentucky have been going up. For the last few days, this is this spike was expected. But, like, last week, there there were these protests in the state capitol. Now, they haven't connected anybody at the protests to being new patients and causing this spike. There's no connection there. They're just saying, the numbers went up. Oh, and by the way, last week there were these protests. Well, you're left with the impression, just by reading the headline, that these protesters spread the infection all over the place when there isn't any evidence. And maybe they did, but there isn't any evidence, at least in the article. Toby Young, uh, writing at The Critic magazine, this was back on March 31st, as long as we're making tough and drastic decisions based on projections, he says people are killed by economic downturns just as surely as they are by pandemics, and more years of life will be lost than saved if the lockdown is prolonged. This is why I keep saying this is not an argument between uh, lives and money. It's an argument between lives and lives. Just like flattening the curve is not going to avoid the infections, it doesn't, right? The number of infections is just going to be spread out over a longer period of time. Um, Just like that, what we're doing is we're spreading out the loss of life over a longer period of time. Right. People are getting addicted to drugs and alcohol uh, because they're not doing anything else. Right, People are suffering depression. Uh, they're putting off surgeries that could uh, extend their lives uh, on the back end. But you won't know it until the back end arrives 10, 15 years down the road from now. Uh, you know, economic catastrophes shorten people's lives. He goes on to say New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said, quote, I'm not willing to put a price on a human life. Setting aside the fact that policymakers frequently do, in fact, put a price on human life when deciding, for example, how to allocate health resources, uh, these high-sounding pronouncements ignore the fact that economic downturns cost lives. The choice that politicians are making is not between saving lives and economic growth, but between sacrificing lives now and sacrificing them in the future. Being politicians, they've plumped for short-termism, but they shouldn't pretend that's an act of great moral courage. When economies contract, life expectancy declines. Thanks for listening to the show. If you liked it, please subscribe to the podcast. Give it a thumbs up in the reviews as well. And uh, you can also think about becoming a patron to the program. All of the links are in the description in the podcast here. Uh, They're also all available at com. Thank you very much for the support. I appreciate it. Talk to you later, and don't break anything while I'm gone.